0: Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women and how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwithit.org. and welcome to another edition of the get Wet up podcast today I have with me the fabulous Ashley Wally did I say it correctly yes okay I um last names are not my forte I mess them up a lot so I'm glad I did not so well Ash- done <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so um We are talking to Ashley today, and you're in, you're on the West Coast, correct? Seattle? That's right. I'm in Seattle. Okay. Um, Just because it's um, cold and snowy here, um, what's the weather like there? I always like to know. (laughs)
1: You know, in winter it just rains a lot. So, um, you know, my team is like, "Oh, the sun is out for an hour. I'm going for a walk uh, before the rain starts for the next few days." So, um, we are we are in kind of the doom and gloom period of the year for us in Seattle. All right, okay. Yeah, we um got
0: a couple inches of snow here yesterday. So, and then of course, everybody in the Midwest forgets how to drive in the in the winter months. So, Um, it's like a whole it's like like Groundhog's Day over and over again right where it's like oh my god there's snow I don't know how to drive so all right (laughs) I have no built up um aggressions or road rage on on people in this I grew up in Michigan and uh, like we grew up in snow so oh yeah Ohio doesn't get very much snow. I mean, they get their snow, but they don't get as much as we did in Michigan. And I'm always like, oh my God, every year it's like, oh, so, so, all right. Well, Ashley, uh, let's start off knowing a little bit about you, your background, how you got to where you are. Um, I like to tell people they don't have to go all the way back to birth, but I like to, you know, <laughs> kind of get an idea where you decided to venture the way you did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have been in technology pretty much for my entire career. I started out, um, I was an English and Spanish major. So I sort of considered becoming a teacher, but um, quickly switched into um, technology and thinking about knowledge management in particular. So I did some federal government consulting and um, then moved into an e-commerce technology consulting firm. So uh, they built custom e-commerce sites. So I worked in a number of different roles over there. I started actually doing marketing and um, SEO content and things like that, and then moved into project and product management. And that's kind of where I've stayed. So I got hired on by one of the client uh, companies for that consulting firm and went in-house with them. Um, And I was there for a few years and it was a lot of fun there was a lot of growth during that time so it was kind of um, you know the the boom time San Francisco um, kind of a really great experience there and getting to um, build up a team of primarily project managers working and doing agile project management and really watching a company grow and scale. I left that job um, when I had my uh, my older son. So I stayed home with him for a little while and uh, moved up to Seattle and started a, um, a a corporate housing company um kind of on the side that I was um, planning on on building a bunch of technology for and then I, I kind of got rooted in the day-to-day and the logistics and execution and things so I kind of cut the cord on that one when I realized that it was going to be um, a lot more of the management of the actual company and a lot less of the development of the technology for a while so I went back into um into somebody else's company, but still into startups. So that's kind of always been um, where my my sweet spot has been, and um, I've been at DiscussIO for the last three and a half years, and leading the product and engineering teams here. Okay, so <clears throat> that leads us into discuss discuss
0: io, right? That's the website, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, I've only seen one other IO. It throws me off sometimes.
1: So, it, um, we get that a lot. Is it discuss IO, discuss.io, discuss.io? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> so, then what does discuss IO do? We're an enterprise level smart video platform that helps business professionals um, make better decisions essentially by using um, our experience and innovation, primarily in in originally building for market research companies um, to have conversations, analyze them and um, create intelligence within the organization. So we're working on making a universal platform for really purposeful conversations um, that helps you get better at scale. Okay. Okay. And what does your day-to-day look like? So I, um, you know, we're still a small company, and as such, we wear a lot of hats. So I lead the product and engineering teams, um, which also includes design. So uh, my day-to-day is, um, you know, can be anything from working on, you know, right now, it's a lot of working on 2021 strategy and road mapping and things, um, but it can also be, you know, weighing in on, you know, feature decisions and um, corner cases and how do we want to handle this and that, um, prioritizing issues as they come. Up, um, doing a lot of customer connections. So I, um, you know, I, I talk with our customers um, to get feedback on how our product is doing, as well as to um, understand what some of the future requests are and kind of how we can improve that experience um, and sales enablement as well. So you know, helping um, arm our sales team to make sure that they are representing the product. Um, best that it can be Um, and similar with our marketing team working with um, the messaging and and how do we think about launching new products so it's a little bit of everything but I really like that kind of um, mixture of of, of never a boring day it's never a boring day that's right (laughs) (laughs) so how many people at your startup let's see um, I think we're around 50 or maybe 55 um, at this point. So um, it has, it's really expanded and through this year. And that's why I'm kind of questioning my number here, because um, we had a lot of growth this year. And and so keeping up with it has caused a lot of hiring. So um, I'm not entirely sure where the number stands right now. But I think it's probably around 50 or 55. I hope lots of women. Yeah, yeah. you know what, that's something that I, I've actually been pushing for, um, you know, with our positions is is to try and get more diversity in the pipeline itself, you know, you should always hire the best candidate, uh, the most qualified candidate. But if you don't get diversity at the top of the funnel, you're, you know, the best candidate may never come to light, you know, for that reason. So it is something that um, kind of I personally champion within the company.
0: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like. All right. So, um, I did. I have some startup experience too. And I remember like some days putting together tables and chairs, like you'd walk in and they'd be like, did you bring your tools today? And you're like, what? <laughs> my tools. And they're like, yeah, we got to put tables and chairs together. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that seems fun. So, um, so with a startup, there's lots of challenges. Yes. So you, now, did you get like was discussed just funded, or was this like an entrepreneur who created the company who was like a bajillionaire out there that just decided to go <laughs> down this route? How did how did it get formed?
1: Our so we had um, a pair of co founders. Um, one who is a, a research industry exec and um, the other who is a, a product manager for um, Amazon. And they kind of connected about how do we make it easier for people to connect with and do interviews with their customer, you know, target, their target customer. And, and how do you do that online? Because, you know, for so long, the research industry has been, you know, you go into a focus group facility and, um, you know, the lead time is really long and it's hard to do it outside of me Major cities, and and there were some limitations there. So they had a really complimentary skill set. And I came on um, just after they raised a Series A, um, and that was a couple of years ago. And um, the company has just been really kind of. Growing really nicely since then, so um, it's yeah. This year has been kind of an outlier and and crazy in terms of I think the impact to all of us and all of our companies, but um, especially for us, we've seen um, huge growth in terms of people shifting more of that traditional type of conversation online um, and needing to to pivot to support that. But um, yeah, it's been we're we're out of the phase of needing to bring our tools to work. Um, (laughs) But I only say that because we're we've been settled in an office for a while because there were Definitely, a couple of weeks there when we moved from one office to another, where our uh, VP of Engineering was um, was bringing in his his power tools uh, to help hang whiteboards and things. So,
0: <laughs> telling you what, gotta have a tool bag for work. Um, so, shockingly enough, most of the people that I have talked to said that their business has boomed since the pandemic hit and this would just be another example because you are working with um live video right so yeah this is like a a, a need
1: Yeah, it's been, um, you know, we we saw kind of an immediate impact to it. So, um, you know, many of the larger firms that were doing research had a a portion of their work that they were doing online. But it was typically the countries and the types of work that were challenging for them to do in person. And um, there was really kind of a belief that you can't have the same rich conversation on the computer as you can when you're in person. And certainly there is some truth to that in terms of being immersed in someone's environment and just sort of engaging all of your senses. But, you know, with COVID-19, the the, the social distancing and the quarantining and things, it, it really has forced a reduction in the face-to-face, you know, communication. And As companies have shifted their work online, the video-based discussions um, have have really kind of become a key part of the tool set and, and sort of a mission critical part of the way that businesses communicate. So we, um, you know, we adjusted to that and, and saw different usage and different demand than we had before. But I think, you know, all of the the companies, I'm not surprised to hear that, you know, that that companies that are um, enabling remote work or communications really saw a boom in terms of their usage. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's been like um, some of the play, um, CEOs and other um different positions I've talked to, they're just have been like, we can't keep up some days (laughs) because it's so busy. And I mean, I work full time and, um, I run get with it, which is a national organization. So I, that's all I do is have zoom meetings all day long. And so I couldn't imagine, um, yeah, I just, it's like second nature now. And I also learned that we're behind the times here in the United States, like overseas, this is the norm. Like they're Mm -hmm. like, this is how we do business as through zoom. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's interesting. It's something that I, um, I continually learn because it's so normal for me, you know, even even years before the pandemic, uh, working for a company that enables video communications, we are a distributed workforce and we have been since day one. And so that's just been part of our day to day forever. Um, you know, but we help brands connect with their users and their consumers who may not you know, they may have a really old computer, they've never done video conferencing before, you know, and so there are there are, it's constantly something that I'm being reminded of that this is still not how the majority of people um, conduct conversations. And I think there is really a sea change happening right now as people see that, oh, this is not that hard. This is not, you know, that uncomfortable once you've done it a couple of times. Um, But you know, we've seen we've seen the feature usage on our platform. We've seen the customer type Um, all of those things have sort of changed and and adjusted as we get new um, new and uh, users in the door and people who have just never really done this type of, of work and communication before. So it's been really interesting to see. Yeah. People are intimidated by technology. For sure. (laughs) We, I'm always, I always consider it to be a success when somebody's like, oh, oh, that was actually pretty easy. You know, and it's like there's there's so much anxiety built up about it. But then once you, once you kind of get into it, it's like that's that's to me is the mark of a good product is as you're going, oh, oh no, that wasn't that wasn't bad. That. Um, that was pretty easy to use. I could understand how to do this. Um so that that always makes me feel good as a as a product and design leader is is going, okay, we we did it, we built the right thing. Um, they didn't need to be, you know, taught how to use it. That's good. That's good. So what
0: about you? You have to have some challenges, right? Absolutely. Like what was, <laughs> was there so you're like, uh, yeah, every day. Um, what about like, what was, I don't know, your, your toughest challenge that you had to face here at discuss IO, like with a client, with live, you know, whether it's before. The pandemic during the pandemic,
1: um, you know, I'd say one of the biggest challenges that I faced was um, channeling what the customers were asking for and and really driving that home internally because you know there were a lot of conversations when I first started about where should the product be going and you know what is the long term vision for this product and one of the one of the first things that I realized was what I was hearing internally was not really aligned to what I was hearing from users and customers. And so that was a big process, probably a six month process of, of us all sort of sitting down and going, well, this is what we're hearing from customers. This is what they're asking for. This is what they wanna pay for. And while we eventually want to get to that point down the road, we might not be ready for that right now. Our customers might not be ready for that. And so we really had to shift the direction of the product and look for ways to accomplish what our customers wanted right then, so that we could eventually get to the place where we are now, which was that long term vision. It just we weren't able to execute on it in year one, the way that uh, I think we all thought that maybe we could. And I'm really glad that we didn't actually. And and we made that pivot because we were able to retain those customers who had legitimate pain points, uh, you know, that we were able to resolve, keep them happy and bring them along this journey so that we could get to a point where there was the support and the demand for more of the DIY kind of self-managed work that we had always envisioned the platform to be. And at that time, it was a lot more services based. Um, There was there was a platform and technology component to it. But a lot of it was, you know, human project management, um, full service kind of stuff. And, And the business has completely shifted in that amount of time. But it took a lot of a lot of soul searching and kind of hard conversations to get to where we are now. And I think we did it the right way. So you had a lot of
0: hand-holding at the beginning?
1: Yeah, when we started... Well, when we started the company, it was, you know, fully self-service and it was a very on-demand platform. And then we landed, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world who really demanded a higher level of engagement and, you know, account management and a project management. And so things had sort of shifted a bit to support the the, the needs that those customers had. Um, but that was never the, the vision for the company long-term. It was always to be a democratized, a self-service kind of platform. Uh, but we had to take some, steps to bring our customers along on that journey and really equip them with the skills and the tools to be able to do that work, um, which which we have now done. And, you know, a lot of those customers have moved into managing their own work. Um, Some of them still prefer, you know, full service, and we have those services available. Um, But now a majority of our customers are are managing their own work. Um, But we just weren't quite ready for it at that point in time. So how do you
0: go to a customer and get them on, on board with you, with your, like, like, are these customers just like, like, um, I'm trying to think of how, who your clientele would be.
1: So a lot of our customers right now are um, large companies who are um, wanting to get their marketers, their brand managers, their researchers, product managers, R&D teams, lots of different types of teams connected directly with the users or the consumers of their products. And that's really in many ways to drive empathy and customer understanding of what resonates with somebody and why, um, how do they make their purchasing habits? And one of the benefits that we have as being a global company is that we can allow our customers to do that anywhere in the world. And that's something that really hasn't been possible yet because it's been, it's hard for someone in the US to connect with someone in another country. Um, You know, you might not speak the language or, you know, know how to find those people. So those are who our customers are and and who's using our platform right now. Um, And the way to kind of bring them on that journey is to understand what they value. So do they value just getting it done and having it be perfect and they're willing to pay more for that? Some people are, you know, they're, they're willing to pay extra to not have to be involved in it um, and, and just to make sure that they get a really crisp learning out of it. Um, for other people, it's what they value is making sure that everybody in their department has a meaningful touch point with somebody and uh, they're willing to build out a program to enable everyone to have those conversations. Um, you know, some people it's cost basis, some people, you know, it's time basis. So really understanding, and I think this goes far beyond, you know, the sales process for us, but you know, how you manage a team, how you motivate people is really understanding how do they communicate and what do they value and what's the background there that's gotten them to that point. Um, And, you know, that opens up a lot of conversations so that they understand where our roadmap is headed and how it can benefit them and how they can fit into that.
0: So if you're global, do you have teams another parts of the world. <laughs> Or are they we all in do- Seattle?
1: <laughs> no, our team is highly remote. So we have our marketing team and our product and engineering and finance teams um, that are primarily based in Seattle, but our sales team and our customer success teams are um globally distributed. So we have people um online pretty much all the time. I think at this point, I'm not sure we have any downtime where there's not someone online. Um so you know, we have uh we have a I think we have maybe 17. Countries in our last um, all hands meeting, we counted it up Holy because we have had more, you know, more people join. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of language coverage, a lot of countries, a lot of time zones. So, it's it's a lot of fun, but it also makes things like all hands very difficult to accomplish. yeah how do you coordinate something like that. You know, we're talking about how to do our holiday party, virtual holiday party uh this year. And we're actually gonna have two times. We're gonna have like an early morning West Coast time and then a late afternoon west coast time so we can try to get everybody on at some point. So Does that mean you um, can, like drink all day? I think we're going to start with mimosas and then, yeah. Um, So so yeah, it is, it is challenging to get everybody online at the same time. We find that early morning West coast time um, is about the only time we can try and get the majority of people together.
0: Really? Wow. That's tough. I worked with teams uh, in India and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's either I stay up late or I come in early. One of the two. So (laughs) yeah, it's got, got a, I've had to figure that out a few times, but yes, I understand that. So, okay. So um, other than, well, what like your role is the VP of product, right? Mm-hmm. That's Okay. Right. So what does that like, give us a definition of what that is. And you mentioned the word agile. People love that word. Um, <laughs> is, is this a true
1: agile company? I believe so. This We have a small team, um, but this is one of the most highly functioning and mature teams that I've worked with. Um, And in terms of processes and and really understanding the the heartbeat of Agile uh, and what we mean by that. So my product manager is exceptional at this. He pushes all the time for, let's get it in front of people. Let's keep the scope really small. Um, And our team, our dev team has really invested a lot in automating um, our processes, automating our infrastructure. Um, We we deploy to production with a Slack command, um, which we all think is a lot of fun and probably was not a requirement to build, but we get a lot of of enjoyment out of it. Somebody goes go. Like is that the is that the command? Go. Uh the the command is fire missiles. Fire Um, missiles.
0: That's awesome. I love that.
1: So um, yeah, we have a, we have a Slack command that will deploy our, our infrastructure. So um, it's uh, yeah. So the team really is agile. They they really understand um, the idea of keeping things small and incorporating customer feedback and trying to get it out in front of people um, as quickly as possible. And you know, keeping the ego out of it. Honestly, that's that's a big part of it. I think with any agile team is um, letting the customer tell you how you're doing and what you want, what they want, um, and then incorporating that instead of assuming that you have all the answers. Um, And so this team does that really well. So, um, so yeah, we are, you know, my role has evolved a bit um, since I've started, but um, you know, the, the product engineering and design um, functions roll up into me right now. So um, that, you know, there, I feel like there's really been a shift in the last few years of of unifying the reporting structure for product and engineering teams. Um, When I started in technology, they were very different separate functions. And in more and more companies, as I see now, um, you know, they report either into a CTO, or into a CPO, um, but they're they're more unified and aligned, which I think is a really nice trend. All right, I agree with you. I think that that's a lot of companies are going that right. So, so
0: you mentioned earlier, you have a son.
1: You have two sons, actually. You yes,
0: two sons. Okay. Yeah, I like to, I, I like to, you know, Find out a little bit about what you like to do when you're not at work. (laughs) So you're a mom. How old are your boys? Four and seven. Oh
1: God. Four and seven. They're young. They are, but you know what? We're, we're kind of at that point where um, they're getting old enough and independent enough that um, we can really relate to each other more as people. And it's much less of like, I'm keeping this, child alive and keeping them from running into the street. And, you know, some of the like early parenting worries, um, you know, we've moved past that. So I, I was always told that like six to 10 is kind of a golden age where, um, you know, they're a little more self-sufficient, but they, they still love you and want to want you to be around and play with you and things. And I feel like we're really in that phase right now. So I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can. That's good. Now, are they now what
0: you're out in Seattle? So like, here in Ohio, we went back to school full time. Well, my school district did. And then the week before Thanksgiving, the buses shut down. So we had to do remote for the last three weeks. So what's it like? Are you having to do like double, like, it's not even double duties. It's like quadruple duties because you're mom and then you're working and then you got to be a teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have actually been um, incredibly lucky. And it, it's I like I cringe even saying that's because um, most people don't have this opportunity. But my mom is a retired elementary teacher. So I drafted her out of retirement, um, <laughs> to help homeschool my kids um, this year. So she, um, she has been our absolute lifesaver this year, because um, the Seattle schools are in um, Fully remote um, so far. I believe they're going back maybe in January, but we actually just um, pulled out and and are doing it fully homeschool this year, um, so that we we weren't sort of beholden to that schedule. But with a teacher um, with us, so it's been it's been actually a really wonderful experience for us to get more time together as a family. Um, but I know that that is incredibly privileged, and and almost no one has you know, that opportunity and someone who is who is a skilled trained teacher that can that can play that role. So shoot, I wish
0: I would have thought about that. My mom was a fourth grade teacher. Shoot. Well, we don't live by her, but I could have been like, hey
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I think it ended up being more work than she was expecting. um, But she has been amazing. Um, She was she was an incredible teacher when she was working. And I knew she would bring the same energy to it. And and she really has. So we are um, deeply lucky for that.
0: Oh, that's nice. So you're homeschooling, you're not remote, you're homeschooling.
1: That's right. Yeah, we, um, we just pulled out of the school system for the year. And my my older son is in first grade. And my younger son um, is just in pre K. So you know, he was he was it's, it's less impactful than I think it would be, you know, in the older grades. Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. So, um, clearly mom must live by you.
1: Well, we actually moved her out for the year. She did not live here. Um, and she was willing to like come out for several months at a time, um, to, to teach them. So, um, no, we, we, um, invited her and she said, yes.
0: Oh my God. All right, mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Both my parents, my parents are still married and they've been very great about this. So my dad has come out and visited a few times, but they were, they were both willing to, to let it happen this year. So where are they from? From Missouri. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. So, oh, wow. Oh, God love mom. Look at her go. All right. Yeah. she's She's a pretty incredible lady. Yeah. Sounds like it. So what do you do then um, for fun?
1: Fun means different things this year, I feel like, but in my pre-COVID life. I had just recently um, taken figure skating back up. So I was a competitive figure skater when I was uh, growing up and I kind of let that go. And, you know, in college and post-college and things and um, finally got my legs under me again. Um, and so I, I had been going figure skating again and was just thinking about starting taking lessons and, and things again. So that is one of my deepest enduring loves um, is figure skating. Um, and that is so now- random girl. So yeah. random. <laughs> It's the thing I always use in those like two truths and a lie yes. kind of things. Like I was a competitive figure skater. I like nobody. It's so random that nobody would ever think it's And like, people it's are like, like, "Oh hell no, you were not." <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm left-handed. I was a competitive figure skater, and then whatever my lie is, you know, because they're kind of like um, unusual ones. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but you know, less less active things. You know, I, I love to read. I love to write. Um, I, I used to do a lot of um, fiction writing. Now I do a lot of more uh, business type writing, um, but I get a lot of joy out of that. So i um, been trying to keep up with writing, and um, yeah, I always love a good book. Oh my goodness! I'm just
0: did you ever? How many tournaments did you win? You don't have tournaments. <laughs> You're still stuck what? on the skating. Yeah, the figure skating. No. it's not fig... it's not
1: tournaments. How many, How many <laughs> uh, competitions? Competitions, that's right. Yeah, Competitions. I don't know how many I won. Um, you know, I always, I always felt much less comfortable in the spotlight than I did just in practice and things. So, um, I would say probably my favorite thing was actually a show that we did. My my ice rink that I was part of did a spring kind of you know exhibition every year. And uh, my senior year of high school, it was always a themed um, one. So it was Mary Poppins. Uh, my senior year of high school, and I got to be Mary Poppins. Oh. Oh, so I wow. was I was super excited about that. That was one of my my favorite roles that I got to do. I got to be Glinda the Good Witch in The Wizard of Oz. And that was that was fun. I just kind of skated around with a wand and there did a lot of a lot of pretty spirals and things. Um but Mary Poppins was a fun one.
0: Oh my gosh. See, I find out the most interesting shit that people <laughs> not <cannot> find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I have done interviews and people were talking. They're like, "Yeah, I was in a rock band and we released an <laughs> album in like the '90s." And I'm like, "What? Yeah." So, you know what? I'm gonna have to like Google and see if I can find <laughs> any
1: of your your <laughs> your figure skate because you know somebody taped it. It's oh out- yeah, I you know. Really, I hope they did. You know, this, this is back in the camcorder days. And I know my dad must have some like lying around in a box somewhere, but I would love to get those digitized and and just have those, have those memories preserved. There you go. That's right. Does, so do your boys skate too? No, not yet. I've been thinking about getting the older one into hockey. I used to teach learn to skate hockey as well when I because I used to do um, figure skating coaching and I would teach learn to skate hockey. And the learn to skate hockey kids were so fun to teach. And I can't really I can't wait to get them involved. But it's been kind of start and stop this year Mm -hmm. um, in terms of what's been allowed. So I was holding off until I'm I'm sure they're going to be able to go forward with those programs, but um, not yet. Hopefully soon. Oh my gosh.
0: They're going to be all over the place. You'll be playing hockey before you know it. Now, <laughs> yeah. So y-
1: is hockey big out there? Uh, you know, we're getting a professional hockey team. Um, you I think are. It- Yeah, I want to say maybe in 2022 is going to be the first season. So, um, you know, there's a couple of rinks around the Seattle area. There's nothing in Seattle proper, but there's um, there's a couple of rinks around, and one is more figure skating focused, and one is more hockey focused. So, there's definitely interest around, but um, yeah, we're going to be the Seattle Kraken, um, and that's that's going to be our new team. Kraken, Yes. like the Greek, yes. Oh, that's our that's our new team. So I think play against the columbus blue jackets nice <laughs> but do you are do you are is that a new team i feel like i don't know of that team
0: no they've been around for a while oh, um really? but i mean they they're fairly new as far as they're not like the detroit red wings or you know the chicago and that kind of stuff but um yeah, yeah they um big big hockey
1: down here so <laughs> nice. yes well i think it's i think it's coming our way it's going to develop over time
0: yeah. Most people don't think of Seattle and they think of hockey. That's for sure. Yeah, that is definitely for sure. But that's pretty cool. Your kids will want to play then.
1: I hope so. I think they'd have a lot of fun. I learned a lot of life lessons from, you know, being involved in, in skating and, you know, a lot of self-sufficiency and discipline and, and things like that. That I think you you'd learn in any sport, but for me, it was figure skating. That's so wild. I love it. That is so wild. So that's good for you.
0: <laughs> so what's the plans for the future? Like do you. For me personally. Personally, what's going to happen with the
1: company? Yeah, well, from a company perspective, we are really investing in innovation this year. We, we are coming in the coming year. We spend a lot of 2020 making sure that, um, you know, we were adjusting to what people needed, frankly, uh, in the product and and that had changed a bit as we had an influx of new users. So next year, we're really looking at how do we make it easier and more fun for people to consume videos? So, you know, a huge part of what we do is these video interviews and recordings of them, but it can get a little overwhelming if you are trying to sort through Fifteen or twenty hours worth worth of video interviews. So, how do we make that easier for people to find what they're looking for and kind of make it digestible so that it doesn't get forgotten, uh, but really gets shared around and those insights and the empathy gets built with you know more than just the person who conducted the conversation, but you can share it out with the whole team. So. We're thinking a lot about that. Um, we're thinking about how we bring mobile more fully into the experience and, um, you know, mobile usability testing and um, mobile screen sharing and things are, are things that are, um, there's a lot of demand for, and um, there's still some opportunity there to, to really make a splash. So we're thinking about how we can incorporate more in, in the mobile world. Um, you know, and as a company, we're continuing to grow a lot. So there's, you know, there's always keeping up with the growth um, and uh, privacy and security. It continues to be a huge thing for us that I think most companies that are that are global are um, you know have to really keep that top of mind as to how um, they're approaching their their privacy and security story and so that's something that we're focused on as well Um, and personally I don't know I was telling my husband the other day that he was he was like well what are you most looking forward to in 2021 and I was like I'm having a hard time even thinking like past, you know, the next couple of days. It just feels like there's still so much up in the air that, you know, thinking about like, oh, what is our next vacation going to be or, you know, what am I what do I want to learn or develop in? I I just feel like, you know, in some ways it's still in just survival mode a little bit. Um so, I have a hard time answering that one personally, but I'm looking forward to life going back to normal a little bit, you know. It would be it would be nice to um To get to travel and see friends that I haven't been able to see in a long time. And, you know, just, I think we're all going to appreciate the little things that we did not even pay attention to before. Right. So you guys don't have an office
0: Or you do have an office? We do. Oh, yeah, we do do. have
1: an office in Seattle. It's been closed since March. Um, You know, Seattle was one of the early outbreaks of of the pandemic. And so um, people transitioned to working from home uh, really pretty early on. So um, the office has been closed since uh, March and everybody's been from home. But we do have an office that typically has like 14 or 15 people um, in it. So you could be going back to the office. I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. You know, I enjoy working from home. um, So I'm kind of hoping I can maintain kind of a hybrid schedule or something, um, because it is easier for me to focus when I don't have kind of the open office and and conversations going around. Um, But that collaboration and that just like human connection Mm -hmm. is is just really hard to replace when you're not in person. So I, I need a little bit of both, I think. I understand. But I think we all do.
0: Um, I was telling my mom, I was like, I think people are lacking, their social skills are getting horrible (laughs) because there's no human interaction. (laughs) And um, I have a high schooler and a third grader and I, I'm tired of dealing with um, third grade. (laughs) <laughs> like I go every morning and um I get a uh protein shake and there's like a group of us women who we sit there for like 30 minutes and just chat about nothing in particular, just to the fear, yeah, fear fact that we're with other adults
1: and I'm like, oh, I gotta go home an adult now and I don't want to <laughs> Yeah, I think this this you know this whole experiment, whatever we want to call it, um, you know has I think really forced us to learn how to communicate in a different way, and um, you know empathy is a, is something I come back to a lot. It's something we you know we we do at work, but it's something that I think is so important for for product leaders um, to have. And and I think you there has never been a time when you need to bring more empathy into your relationships and your conversations uh, than we do right now, because I think it's. Um, everybody's processing things in a different way, you know, and, and um, I think we have to understand that, that not everybody's getting the same level of interaction as others. And um, I, when I first, when I first left the house in like April, maybe I feel like we were completely locked down for a while. I was like, I don't know how to interact with a human, you know, that's (laughs) like, like going to Walgreens was like a kind of, you know, difficult experience for me. Um, and I think I think it does. You, you kind of get out of practice with it, so um, I think I think we all need to remember that like people are moving at different paces right now. <laughs> and, like,
0: hopefully, we'll 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 level out at some point soon. Definitely, definitely. Hopefully, um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready to reconnect, um, you know, mentally and and physically and emotionally with people and my teams because I haven't uh, everything's been remote, so. Um. Yeah. I totally get that. So, well, I don't want to, this is busy time for you. What time is it there?
1: It is ten forty-five 10 45 in the morning. Oh my God. It's like right at the height of your morning. Oh, no, this is fun. This is, this is about <laughs> the most fun thing I could be doing. I like it. <laughs> well, perfect. Good.
0: <laughs> so, all right. Well, if people do want to check out, it's, d i s c u s s dot i o that's right discuss dot i o yep that's
1: okay.
0: right and i'm assuming there's like um being a startup you have your
1: your contact us and we do <clears throat> yeah we've got um you know, ways you can get in touch with us. Um, we are on social as well on LinkedIn and things. So, you know, our team is always monitoring those messages if people want to get involved, but um, you know, there's there's a way to, um, you know, book a demo or get in contact with us um, from the website and we've got some good videos and resources and things if people want to um, learn a little bit more about doing online interviews or, you know, how they can incorporate you know video into their their day-to-day that's all available on the website. I just thought of what
0: I, I meant to ask you something earlier and I, I'm old, so I forgot it. And now it just hit me. So, um, this is such a sidebar question. So when somebody is doing a video interview, like you are setting up through your platform, is it like this person to person
1: or is it through a robot? <laughs> No, it's person to person. It's it's live moderated conversations. So um, we do a mix of you know one on one conversations or uh, group conversations, just depending on what the research objective is. So a lot of the empathy programs they're typically one to one. So you know it's it's somebody who's not a professional researcher who just wants to better understand the life of their you know their user or their customer. Um, And then other times it's a more formal research kind of process where they want to um, you know there's a series of activities they would do to kind of elicit it responses to a concept or understand how people um, react to you know possible marketing messaging or packaging changes things like that so it depends it's um we're a pretty versatile platform so people can kind of customize it to um to what they need but it's also really powerful so um it's got a lot of features in there that that help you stay structured and stay kind of on track and and make it easier to go back when you're done and a- analyze what you know what was said across multiple conversations
0: okay that's good because um I've seen platforms or software where people have had like the interviews and it's mm-hmm. with a robot and it's just they read the question and then they have to verbally say it back And I was like god that's so oh
1: <laughs> like you get <laughs> yeah <laughs> We, you know, we feel like that, that human touch is really important. You know, there is absolutely a place for AI in all of this. And and that's really more on the analysis side of things than it is on, um, you know, driving the conversation because so much of what we believe is that you're going to make better decisions for your business, um, for your product. If you're, if you are connecting one-to-one, you know, with a customer. Um, and so, you know, we try to, we try to help people amplify that. If not everyone in the company can take part in one of these interviews. Um, but one of the things that, um, our platform does really well is allow observers to kind of remotely um, watch without being involved. So you can amplify the message really significantly by inviting team members to come um, watch kind of silently in the background. Um, And I think we're one of the only platforms that allows you to do that where it doesn't interrupt the conversation or you you don't feel like you're in a fishbowl with 10 people watching you, um, even though you're only talking to one of them. So it helps get the message out more. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I know AI is, you know, becoming a big deal, but I was like, I, for, I went to ask you that earlier. So, um, yeah. look, my brain turns back on for a second there, <laughs> <laughs> my old age. <laughs> All right. Well, Ashley, I thank you so much for joining me and Absolutely. Uh, I totally appreciate your time and, um, keep rocking
1: it girl. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun to to chat about all the things I love. Oh,
0: see, that's what it's all about. See, you, it just comes naturally when it's something you love, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we got we got all of my highlights. We got figure skating. We got um, product management. We got customer empathy. Like we're we're covering all the bases. You got mom in there too. I you mean, got mom. Yeah, got everything in
0: there. We got the website in there. We're, I mean, we're nailing it. So (laughs) so this, um, I'm going to say Merry Christmas and have a wonderful, happy new year. Although this will be airing in 2021. Um, I hope you and your family stay safe out there in Seattle and things get back to normal and you have a wonderful holiday. Likewise.
1: Absolutely. Same to you. Thank you. And we will keep in touch. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to
0: subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitted.org.